This is the NBC Theater. From the NBC Theater in Hollywood, we bring you an hour-length version of one of the oldest and greatest of the human comedies, one of the least read of one of the greatest classics in the library, Miguel de Cervantes' robust satire, Don Quixote. And as intermission commentator on this story of the knight in anything but shining armor, we bring you the distinguished Broadway actress, producer, and author, Margaret Webster, who recorded her commentary in New York earlier this week. Here now, Don Quixote. At a certain village in La Mancha, which I shall not name, there lived not long ago one of those old-fashioned gentlemen who are never without a lance upon a rack, an old target, a lean horse, and a greyhound. His whole family was a niece, not twenty, and a housekeeper, something turned to fifty. His diet consisted more of beef than mutton, with minced meat on most nights, lentils on Fridays, eggs and bacon on Saturdays, and a pigeon extraordinary on Sundays. There was also a man that served him in the house and in the field and could saddle a horse. The master himself was nigh fifty years of age, of a hale and strong complexion, lean-bodied and thin-faced, an early riser, and a lover of hunting. Some say his surname was Quijada, or Quesada. However, we may reasonably conjecture he was called Quejada, meaning lantern jaws. Though this concerns us but little, provided we keep strictly to the truth in every point of this history. Well, the truth is that my master has been spending his time in reading books of knight errantry, which he does with application and delight. He often disputes with the curate of the parish, a man of great learning. Tell me, good curate, who was the better knight, Palmerine of England or Amadis de Gaulle? Tell me, which? I could not say. You could not say? You, a man of learning? My friend, I fear for you. Fear for me? By sleeping little and reading much, the moisture of your brain is exhausted to such a degree that you seem to have lost the use of reason. True, my head is full of nothing but enchantments, of quarrels, battles, challenges, wounds, complaints, amours, torments, and abundance of stuff and impossibilities. All these fables and fantastical tales which you read have come to seem the most authentic histories. And so they are, curate. So they are. My poor old friend. What's more, I intend to engage in such undertakings myself. What say you? It is necessary for the increase of my honor and the service of the public for me to turn knight errant. My friend, you are mad. I shall roam through the whole world, armed, head to foot, and mounted on my steed in quest of adventures. Your brain is addled. I shall redress every manner of grievance and expose myself to danger on all occasions. And at last, after a happy conclusion of my enterprises, I shall purchase everlasting honor and renown. The first thing he did was to scour a suit of armor that had belonged to his great-grandfather and had lain time out of mind, carelessly rusting in a corner. Next, he went to view his horse, 
whose bones stuck out like the ribs of a burst wine cask. Oh, what a fine beast he is. But uh, somewhat thin. Thin? Neither Alexander's Bucephalus nor the Seeds Babietha could be compared to him. But he must have a new name. A new name, Master? I have been four days considering what name to give him. There is no reason why a horse owned by so famous a knight as myself, and with all so excellent in himself, should not be distinguished by a particular name. Uh, true. It should be a good big name, such a one as should fill the mouth. What name have you found? I have devised many names. I have rejected, changed, liked and disliked. And I have concluded to call him... Rocinante. Rocinante? A name, in my opinion, both lofty-sounding and significant. Rocinante. Rocinante. When he had thus given his horse a name so much to his satisfaction, he then thought of selecting a name for himself. A name for yourself? And I have chosen it, curate, but not satisfied with the bare appellation, have added to it the name of my country. What is your new name? Don Quixote de la Mancha. Don Quixote de la Mancha? Which, to my thinking, denotes very plainly my parentage and birthplace, and consequently would fix a lasting honor on this part of the world. Ah, most commendable. Now, now I want nothing but a lady. Yes, it is. A lady? A lady on whom I might bestow the empire of my heart. Ah, but my friend... I am sensible that a knight errant without a lady is a tree without fruit or leaves. Yes, but you would... Should I, by good or ill fortune, chance to encounter some giant, as is common in knight errantry, and happen to lay him prostrate on the ground, transfixed with my lance, would it not be proper to have some lady to whom I may send him as a trophy of my valor? And have you selected this fortunate lady? Ah. Near here dwells a likely country lass for whom I have had formerly a sort of inclination. Oh, oh she's never heard of my inclination or regarded it in the least. Uh, her name? Aldonfa Lorenza. Oh, I know the girl. Yes, I have studied to find her out a new name, one which might have some affinity with her old name and yet at the same time sound somewhat like that of a lady of quality or a princess. And you have found such a name? Aye. Tis Dulcinea del Toboso. Dulcinea? With the addition of del Toboso from the place where she was born. It is a name, in my opinion, both sweet... Harmonious and extraordinary. Dulcinea del Toboso. These preparations being made, Don Quixote found his designs ripe for action and thought it now a crime to deny himself any longer to the injured world that wanted such a deliverer. So... One morning before day, in the greatest heat of July, with all the secrecy imaginable, he armed himself head to foot, laced on his ill-contrived helmet, braced on his target, grasped his lance, mounted Brotenante, and sallied out into the world. But Don Quixote had not gone far, ere a terrible thought alarmed him. 
The honor of knighthood has not yet been conferred upon me. Therefore, according to the laws of chivalry, I neither could nor ought to appear in arms against any professed knight. Oh, I must ponder this matter. There is some manner of arranging such a thing. But what? Ah, I have it. I shall be dubbed a knight by the first person I meet. That will settle the matter. So be it. Proceed, Rafinante. Proceed. Don Quixote de la Mancha traveled almost all that day without meeting any adventure worth the trouble of relating, which put him into a kind of despair. For he desired nothing more than to encounter immediately some person on whom he might try the vigor of his arm. Towards the evening, he and his horse, being heartily tired and almost famished, Don Quixote, looking about him, espied what he fancied to be a castle. It was fenced with four towers, lofty pinnacles glittering with silver and uh, all those other appurtenances peculiar to such places. At the gate of the castle were two beautiful maidens, taking benefit of the fresh evening air. Oh, Lord! I want his head! Oh, oh. What a sight! A madman cased in iron! Oh, do not fly, ladies, nor fear the least offense. The order of knighthood which I profess does not permit me to countenance injuries to ladies of such high rank as your presence denotes. <laughs> you laugh at me. You mock me. Give me leave to tell you, ladies, that modesty and civility are most becoming in the fair sex, whereas laughter without ground